Welcome to the Healthy Charleston Podcast, where we help you take ownership of your health and fitness. My name is Hannah, and I am here to be your source of accurate health and fitness information while spreading awareness about all of the different health and fitness resources available to you in the Charleston area. Be sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. I hope you enjoy the show. So many people these days are struggling with their health and they're not getting the help they need. Whether they're dealing with chronic disease, pain and autoimmune disease, metabolic syndrome, or they're just feeling tired, fatigued, and bad all the time, people are often looking for answers and they're told that there's nothing wrong with them and then they feel crazy and they're not feeling listened to, they still don't feel good and they don't know what to do to improve their health. And a lot of people don't know that there is another option for their healthcare. Functional medicine is something that gets talked about a lot these days, and I love that Melissa calls it root cause medicine. So on today's podcast, we get to talk with Melissa, who is a nurse, health coach, and certified functional medicine practitioner at Merge Medical in Mount Pleasant, and she loves helping her patients find the root cause of their problems. So she tells us her story, her journey of finding this type of medicine, her own health struggles that led her here. She's helped a lot of people with autoimmune disease, pain, chronic disease, metabolic syndrome. And so we talk about common symptoms and common problems that people often come to her with. We also talk about what it really means to be healthy, the effects of stress and nutrition on health, and how to slow down in our fast-paced society. So here's your reminder. Health is not just the absence of disease. It is having the capacity and the resources to cope with the demands and stresses of life. So please subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Otherwise, without further ado, Melissa. What's up, Melissa? Thank you so much for coming on the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Well, hello, Hannah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to dig into it today. Can we start by you just telling us what you do? Well, I'm a functional medicine practitioner and a whole foods nutritionist, and I help people find their path to wellness, to healing uh, through root cause medicine. And so what we do is look for root cause issues associated with common health complaints, like I'm too tired or I'm, I'm stressed out all the time. I, um, I don't sleep well at night or I have headaches all the time or a lot of common joint or gut problems. So, you know, people have a lot of chronic health complaints that they have had all their lives sometimes and they've never found out why. And that's what we do. Or they accept them as normal. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times I think that they're steered that way because they can't get answers through the venues that they've chosen to you know, use for their treatment. And so they go to their doctor and they don't find anything, quote, wrong with them. And so they just kind of walk away a little bit discouraged and they feel like they just have to live with it. And so they learn how to do that. And what we try to do is look at imbalances that might be causing that, looking deeper and listening to that patient. My first visits are an hour and a half, so I got plenty of time to hear what they have to say and to listen to them 
and that helps us to figure out, you know, what kind of testing do we want to do to try to determine what the root cause is. We have a lot of testing available from a functional medicine and nutritional standpoint than what's offered in the conventional medicine uh, approach because you know they have such a wonderful place and I'm so thankful for all the wonderful doctors that we have and we refer to them a lot of times too but you know they are they're trained to treat illnesses and diseases and to do surgeries and provide medication support and what we do is a, is a little bit on a deeper level looking at root causes of those problems which are oftentimes toxic burden overload sometimes undiagnosed infections they can be metabolic imbalances that can be corrected or nutrient deficiencies. And so we look at all of those um, factors that might be contributing to what the problem is. And then as Hippocrates taught us, all disease begins in the gut. You know, we are trained to assess the gut using comprehensive stool testing and can help with making recommendations to help improve those symptoms and get this patient on a path to wellness and healing. I'm sure people are really excited about stool testing. Oh, yeah. You know, we joke a lot about it with patients, too. You know, the test of pooping in the French fry tray. <laughs> no. Uh, but, but because that's basically what we're doing. But we also, with comprehensive stool testing, you know, it's a multi-specimen collection. It's very different from doing a stool test and w- with a conventional lab, you know, where they get us take a specimen to the lab. This is, you know, like a three-day stool collection. And so we're basically being able to look at all of the phylum, which are not known as like families of bacteria in the gut. And we can look at whether or not there's too many or too little of some, you know, is this patient, are they digesting their food and absorbing their nutrients? Um, Because a lot of times they're not, they're not able to do that. And um, that's where a lot of overgrowths come from too, is because we don't digest and absorb the food that we're eating. And, um, you know, then if there are overgrowths there of different families of bacteria, then we can, we can manage those. So now I want to know how you got into being really excited about three days of stool testing. (laughs) Tell me about where this all started. How did you find and stumble upon root cause medicine? Well, I think my problems, like most people, started a long time ago and a much longer time before I began to feel empowered to find out what they were. As a teenager, my belly was always bigger than my friends in our bathing suits. You know, I always had the little pooch and yet I was small framed and, you know, was not overweight. So why would I have a belly at 14? And and then so that's kind of followed me through my life. I had a lot of gut issues, a lot of gas and bloating. And that followed into things as what happens with the gut when they're not treated, they progress. So you fast forward into two pregnancies where I'm pretty sure I delivered insulin resistant children because of the way I ate when I was pregnant, because I didn't know any better. And then um, into postpartum phases where I'm on birth control pills that probably caused me to have a leaky gut and more nutrient deficiencies. And then, you know, segue into perimenopause when it all caught up with me. And I had been a registered nurse for over 20 years at the time. And I knew who to see. I knew all the best doctors that I still love and, you know, and think so much of, highly respect them. But no one could find anything wrong with me. 
And they're like, Melissa, you know, I know you put on a few pounds, just, you know, I'd gained about 20 pounds unexplained. I had just lost my mother and I was her caregiver. So it was a huge grief journey that I was in the middle of too. And I began to feel so tired. I just could hardly go. I would go to the gym in the mornings because that's what healthy people do. And I would go home and take a nap. And no one ever told me, Melissa, you need to cut back on this, on working out. Your adrenals are so dysfunctional right now that you need to back off a little bit with what you're doing, what you're trying to do. So I pushed through and um, got to the point that I, w- I would have episodes of even feeling emotional, which I have rarely ever had throughout my entire life. So I knew that wasn't normal for me. And I was at a grocery store when I was at Whole Foods one day, just looking through the supplement aisle. And Renee, who is the, the older woman that I just love dearly, who still works there, um, you know, basically told me that I should see a functional medicine person. And so I did. And I saw Dr. Lovegrove. He really opened my eyes. You know, I was really back on track within about two weeks after my first visit with him. And it was very quickly that I learned that in my 20 years of nursing, I had not seen people healed, that I had seen people managing their problems, but I had never seen true healing. And if I wanted to do that, then I needed to change my career goals. I quickly became holistic health coach. And from there, I just went, I just kept going. I could not get enough. Then I became a functional medicine practitioner and then a nutritionist. And so I want, I still am just hungry for learning everything that I can so that I can share the path of healing with other people that I've experienced myself. Yeah. And here I am, you know, now almost 15 years into this. And there's been nothing that has, you know, that I've encountered that I've not been able to use the foundations that I have learned and and applied to that that has not served me and my family and not only my husband, but my children and my grandchildren are benefiting from this mindset change that we have that we want to help our bodies to heal because they know how to do that. Yeah, it's it's always really cool to see the ripple effect of one person prioritizing their their health and making all of these changes. And then now you have all of this knowledge. And not only do you get to help all of your patients, you also get to help your family yeah. for, for years and generations to come. What did it look like for you to heal? Like, what did you need to change? The first thing I changed was my diet. I was eating a healthy diet by Western standards, a what we call in functional medicine, a standard American diet, which I often refer to now with, as a healthy version of that. You know, I had oatmeal every morning with some cheese in it for breakfast. and Oatmeal with cheese? Yeah. I've actually never heard of that. Yeah, I loved cheese. And so I have, <laughs> have oatmeal with cheese for breakfast and, you know, maybe a Diet Coke. You know, if I got tired, I might have coffee as well. Like 3 p.m., yeah. 4 p.m. Yep. Yeah, to help get pick me up to yep. get through that workout that I should have cut back on. And then I might have, you know, for lunch, maybe a sandwich. And then whatever. I really ate anything I wanted, but it was like a healthier version of that, like a lot of whole grains. And, you know, this food pyramid has been pretty skewed even over like 20 years now and still recommends that the American public in intake um, nine to 11 servings of grains a day. And so the first thing I did, I didn't go grain free at first, but I did 
go completely gluten-free. You know, my body responded so well to getting that junk out of my diet, getting artificial sweeteners out of my diet, and just beginning to discover how wonderful whole foods tasted. I didn't need to buy a can of fruit. I can buy the fruit and learn how um, wonderful that tastes and how good that is for me on its own in its God-given state. And so that's one of the things I think that people can do on their own, you know, just anytime they decide they want to, you know, make a step in the right direction is to just eat food that you can grow or kill. (laughs) That's a simple way of putting it. Yeah. Just eat food that's edible. Yeah. Right? Real food. And, you know, and what we don't know, because what's not taught to us conventionally is all of these packaged foods are fortified with synthetic vitamins, vitamin C or ascorbic acid. Some of them use iron filings for iron fortification and synthetic B vitamins. And so we're consuming those things and these highly processed foods and our bodies don't know how to break that down. They're not built to do that. And so it takes nutrients from our body to be able to metabolize them. And so, um, you know, just getting that crap out of our diets just goes so far to helping us, you know, get to a point where we can heal. Why are those things being made or being fortified if we are not supposed to eat them? I can't remember what year it was off the top of my head, but, you know, back in the 60s or so, the government decided that when, you know, women are working more, kids are getting a lot more foods because there's no one there to prepare meals anymore, that they would just, you know, take fortified nutrients and put them in packaged food so kids got more nutrients. And so I don't know how much research was done about the back end effect of that, but most of those nutrients are synthetic and cause more problems than they solve. Great. Yeah. And why is it that we're told to eat this amount of grains and the American diet includes all of these things? Like why, why shouldn't we actually be eating those? Well, I don't think our culture is about wellness. You know, I think our culture is more about sickness. And if you're not sick, then there's not a lot of research available for that because there's not a lot of money to be made on that. You know, there's much more money to be made on medications that cost thousands of dollars per month. But there's not a lot of money to be made on eating real food. And so I think that we have lost sight of what wellness is. And there's no one, you know, with the money there to do this research now and change this. And that's kind of sad. Very sad. Yeah. What is, this is a big question. What does wellness mean to you? That's a good question. I think 20 years ago, I would have told you that wellness meant to me the absence of disease. Mm -hmm. But now I see it very differently. I think wellness means something individual for everybody. For me, I think it means feeling my very best every single day that I can with the energy to do the things that I want to do without any problems to doing that. Yeah. And I do feel that way. You know, I get up in the mornings and I work out, focusing a lot more on strength training than I ever had as I get older. You know, I really eat a diet of real food and rarely you know, stray from that. But I do have treats. I think that it's important for people to have things that they enjoy on a schedule. And I work with my patients to figure out what that schedule safely looks like for them. And um, whether it's a piece of cake or a glass of wine or whatever that means to different people. But 
wellness to me is being able to do all those things and really live life to the fullest. Yeah. I Is it Dr. Norton Hadler? Does that ring a bell? No. Nope. There is a quote that we use in a lot of our presentations that, you know, health isn't the absence of disease. It's having the capacity and the resources to, to be able to, you know, I don't know what he says, like something about dealing with and handling and adapting to like all of the demands of your life and being able to handle that, not, you know, not just not being sick, but really, I think what you said, like being able to do the things that you want to do and feel good doing them. Yeah. So diet was a big thing that you had to change. Yeah. What else do you feel like you really had to change in your life? Well, I had to heal my gut. I had a lot of gut issues and I had a lot of nutrient deficiencies. And so I embarked on that journey. I went down that road and I decided to do what it took to accomplish that. I've done a lot of diets over the years since I've gotten you know, passionate about wellness care, because of course, now I don't want to recommend diets to patients that I don't fully understand and haven't tried myself so that I understand how it might affect someone else. Um, But I also learned to pace myself and not try to be someone else's version of health, whether it's, it's pushing yourself too hard on a workout or pushing yourself harder whether it's eating more or less or changing your macronutrients for different phases of your life. I think those are all things that is just something to be mindful of is macronutrient changes are something that I like to teach patients about so that they can change them as their life changes and their needs change. But those are the predominant changes that I made, just allowing my body to heal itself and, you know, I had a couple of instances since then, you know, I had COVID twice and the second time really set me back. I had some issues with recovering for it, I actually flipped back into a state of autoimmunity again when that happened. And I listened to my body, which before I would not have, I would have just push through because that's what we do. And it's what women do. We're basically programmed to do that. And I didn't, I listened to my body. I actually went on a ketogenic diet. I have stuck with that on a cycling basis, not all the time, because I I do think that you don't want to keep carbs that low that long, but I do, you know, so I cycle them um, on different days of the week. That served me very well. I flipped back into autoimmunity within three months, into autoimmune negative, you know, so just knowing how to support my body was really very helpful to me. So a, a lot of lifestyle changes. Yeah, yeah, a lot of lifestyle changes. The biggest mistake I feel like, most people make is thinking that their bodies can heal in a state of really crazy stress because it can't. And so I got rid of all that years ago. You know, I quit a high stress job in medical practice management and I left that world because it was going to kill me if I had stayed there. And so I just don't live a high stress life. You know, we enjoy life. I love what I do. I let go of things that are going to drag me down. I think that, that the body has to have that state of being at peace with itself in order to be able to heal. Yeah, like our bodies have an amazing ability to heal and adapt, but given the right conditions and environment. And we are often, like you said, fight or flight, go, 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 just push through it surviving that we're not doing what our body needs to do to to thrive. And to live the width of our lives, you know, always pushing through how hard can you go? How far can you go? What more can you take on? 
you know, I was brought up that way. My mother was a very hard worker. She was a nurse too. My dad was a night shift supervisor in a textile mill. And I remember watching him throw up in the yard on the way to work and get in the car and, and go on to work. And so I was brought up that way. It was a lot of relearning for me to realize that you know, for them, they did what they needed to do at the time. But, but living that way long-term is not the way our bodies are going to heal. It's generational yeah. as well. It's like what we learn and what we're praised for. And I feel like you go through school, especially like you go through school, you go through nursing school, you do all these things and you're praised for your hard work and your work ethic. And so then you just take on more and how much more can I do? And we're filling an already full schedule. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I did that through nursing school too. I went to nursing school with two small children. Oh my goodness. And it's a miracle that I made it through under that type of pressure. I'm sure they paid a lot of that price for that stress because they certainly didn't get the best of me. But that's what you have to do to accomplish things. That That's the goal. Suck it up, push it through. Learning how to not do that and how to rest. What does it feel like to do nothing? Um, is something I had to learn. Stressful for people. (laughs) It's like ironically really stressful. Yeah, I I agree. I think like there's a lot of things in place that force you to do those things. And okay, like I understand the long-term goal, but don't live your life like that forever. But I think people have a really hard time turning it off. It becomes our default. I think it's the way that we live unless we intentionally choose another path. I think so too. But that's hard and that's uncomfortable. And it takes months to years to learn how to do that because just because I walked away from that life, I was not instantly comfortable in my new life. It took time and I learned uh, how to do that. It helped me that my husband retired, you know, right along that time. He was early retirer and that really helped me a lot because he was home. We learned how to go to lunch together and do all the kinds of things that we enjoyed together. We have spent so much time with our grandchildren and been able to be big contributors in their lives and homeschooling them and and supporting our children. And so using that as a springboard for learning how we could do life differently was awesome. It's really cool. And I want to applaud you for changing all of those things when I think a lot of people would just say, well, this is how I've always done it. I'm going to keep doing it. And like, you have kids and grandkids and you actively decided to change your life. And you had been doing this for for how many years? I don't know, but it's just really cool and I think really encouraging. The Healthy Charleston podcast is brought to you by Made to Move Physical Therapy. Made to Move Physical Therapy specializes in helping you get out of pain and get back to doing what you love. We offer relationship-oriented, one-on-one, individualized care to all of our clients, and we believe in putting the patient's needs first. If you'd like to work with me or any of our other physical therapists at Made to Move, check out the link in the show notes and get 10% off of your first session. We have locations throughout Charleston, Mount Pleasant, West Ashley, Somerville, and Daniel Island. Don't waste another day stuck in your pain. Follow the link and schedule an appointment today. The rewards that I get to so much of, which is one of the reasons why I love working with families and and children, is hearing what our grandchildren say about other lifestyles, you know, because they recognize that, well, that's too much sugar. I didn't, you know, I'm not going to eat all that. Maybe I'll have a treat. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then my grandson that just this morning wanted a snack and he said, how about 
boil a few eggs for me and I'll make my own egg salad. He's five. He put some pickles in it and chopped up boiled eggs and sat there and ate a bowl full he's of egg five. salad and he's five years old. And so those are things that just make me know that we did the right thing in making those changes and it hopefully will impact generations to come. Yeah. I want to talk about what it looks like to work with you as a, as a patient and, and starting with like, how do most people find you? What problems are they dealing with? I would say the number one complaint that I hear is that people are tired. I'm, I'm fatigued or whether they wake up tired, which is a classic symptom of adrenal dysfunction and that something is off in the body or they're tired after lunch, or they just cannot wait to get home and go to bed. One of the three, usually. Sometimes it's rooted in poor sleep and stress. Other times there are imbalances in the body, like nutrient deficiencies or infections or overgrowths in the gut, imbalances there that need to be addressed. But those are the biggest problems that people have is that they're tired. They know that they can't do the things that they want to do. Many of them have all kinds of other issues. And we hear everything from migraine headaches to know that they're having horrible periods, no sex drive, maybe a lot of musculoskeletal type issues where they've got a joint pain and joint stiffness that they know is not normal, which is not normal for anybody, but a lot of people accept it as normal for them. Or they can't lose weight and they don't understand why. So th those are the biggest type of patients that we see. But we see, I mean, I can't think of any type of problem that people have not contacted me for. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of those problems are things that most of America deals with. I mean, like yeah. that's just the most yeah. common problems that people deal with that either, you know, it turns into something else or they're told because they go seek out help, they're told that there's nothing really wrong, there's nothing really severe but they don't get the help to solve the problem and feel good. It's like, oh, you might have this problem, but there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing that we can do. Right. Okay, well, like, what can we do so that this doesn't affect my life the way that it is? And what can we do so that I can feel good and that I can enjoy and I can do all the things that I want to do? You know, another type of patient that we get a lot of too are people who just keep getting a medication added to treat a problem. And they're just like, okay, I'm maxed out on the medication. This can be it. Yeah. And a typical one is, is patients with blood sugar issues. You know, you have a patient with a blood sugar metabolism issue and they get put on a medication. How many people do you see put on medications to manage blood sugar that ever get off of it? You're right. You know, until they take up an approach like this and learn why do you have blood sugar problems? What is it that you can do yourself that is free that you can do to learn how to take care of your body? And that's something that I can teach people. Yeah. And I, that's one of my favorite things to do. Why is that? I think that it has one of the biggest impacts on a patient's life for the rest of their life. They're spared liver damage, kidney damage. They keep their eyesight. They, you know, resume a normal weight, which is a tremendous uh, amount of stress on their musculoskeletal system, carrying around a bunch of excess weight. Fat carries a significant amount of toxins in the body that it can't get rid of. When you lose all of that, the body is set up to heal itself. So it's one of my favorite things to do is to deal with metabolic imbalances. Yeah. And they're so common. Yeah. Too. Most people have some sort of metabolic imbalance. I would say 80% of the patients that I see, and it may be 
Mr. GQ walks in the door. He's 40. You know, he looks great. He does not fit the profile in his lab work that I see, but it's coming five years from now, 10 years from now, he's going to be diabetic and we can change all that. We can change this patient's life for the rest of their lives. How do you know that it's coming? Like, what are the signs? Well, my, my favorite test to determine that is a fasting insulin level. You know, mm-hmm. because a hemoglobin A1C, which is a measure, it's a percentage measurement of glucose metabolism over a 90-day period of time. And that can be normal, but fasting insulin can be creeping on up mm-hmm. and patients are, begin- are budding to the point of being insulin resistant at that point. And why not fix it then? Why wait till someone is pre-diabetic or diabetic to help them avoid that big bullet? It's coming. Yeah, I think that's such a, a shift in mindset, such a helpful shift that when you get an A1C test that tells you that you're pre-diabetic or diabetic, like you're already there. It's just, it's telling you something is now, like something's wrong versus something is going to be wrong if you continue down this path. Right. It's like if I can either take my car in and be like, hey, I want to make sure my car functions so I can drive across 526 or I get flat tires. And I'm like, well, now I know that there's something wrong. Exactly. And so why wait till a patient is full-blown diabetic is so much more difficult to reverse at that point. So we can head that off at the pass and save them the problems that come with it. All of the other metabolic, we call it metabolic syndrome, which is when you have a lot of, you have a couple of other conditions that go along with it, whether it's high blood pressure or being overweight or high triglycerides and high cholesterol, but a a collection of those things, um, you know, equal a complete diagnosis of metabolic syndrome. Yeah. I think people view the opposite of pre-diabetic or or diabetic as healthy when it's just like, no, your your numbers haven't quite made you really, really, really unhealthy, but you're not healthy. People are like, oh, I don't have this, which means I'm healthy because they view health as the absence of disease. I don't have cancer. I don't have diabetes. I don't have chronic disease. I must be healthy. When honestly, like it, it kind of feels like now with our healthcare, with our society, with our diet, we are just default on the path to being unhealthy unless we choose intentionally to be healthy. If we don't change anything, like we're going to just get on, we're going to be unhealthy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, type two diabetes is a metabolic problem because we're eating the wrong foods. It can be corrected. And I love, it's a thrill, absolute thrill to see patients, you know, realize and watch those numbers just drop. Watch that weight fall off and watch them just glow with their success. It is one of the greatest joys. Yeah. I have a client who, you know, through a lot of conversations, it was found that he was pre-diabetic and he was so frustrated because he felt like he had been doing all these things. And in our conversation, we were talking about his diet and all these things. And he asked, what does my diet have to do with blood sugar? And he's been going to the doctor for these issues. And I'm like, have y'all not had these conversations? And granted, like sometimes it takes you hearing things often. It was just so surprising to me that he had someone tell him that he was pre-diabetic, but they didn't tell him anything. They didn't give him any education on it. They didn't tell him what to do. And whether that, you know, whose fault is that? I don't know. I think it's deep rooted and systemic, but it just made me frustrated. How often is this happening with any disease, with any symptom that 
you know, you have this, sorry, it's a death sentence. Not, oh, here's what you can do about it. Here's what you should be doing. And here's why. Because I think people are interested. I think people want to know why. And they don't want to just be told, do this, do that. Especially, I think, people that have been in the system and they, I like how you phrased it, the menus that they've chosen, the avenues that they've chosen have not helped them the way that they thought they would. And so they choose other avenues. Um, And those people that end up seeking out root cause medicine, I think they want to be involved in their care. I think so, too. And I think a lot more people would do it. Their insurance would cover it. You know, so they're seeking out care initially that they can get paid for with their insurance plan. But we have to remember, too, what the goals of an insurance company is, too. You know, and so they're not interested in our well-being. They need to make money. And so I really think that you really don't get wellness care if you don't pay for it out of pocket. It doesn't happen because even a wellness provider that accepts insurance has to follow algorithms that the insurance company provides with how they treat that. And when you don't have a vested interest in that at all, then we are free to follow research and our experience that shows us how to heal people or help their bodies to heal. The other issues are like autoimmune issues. You know, so people come in all the time with autoimmune conditions that nothing is getting done for, or they're just put on biologicals, which impair their immune system to respond to it. So it's not fixing anything. You know, it's wonderful to work with people like that who are willing to change their lifestyle to put that autoimmune condition into remission the way I've done twice now myself. And so I know it's not easy, but the dividends are great because I don't take any biologicals. That was put into remission in three short months with even tightening up my diet more than it already was. Yeah, that's amazing. And I feel like the the amount of people that struggle with autoimmune disease is just increasing every day. Yes, it is. And we're seeing an, an, an uptick in that, a significant uptick in autoimmunity. A lot of times, I think that the answer is a pill because that's what a lot of patients want. And so the conventional medical model is also just trying to respond to that what patients have asked them for, which is a pill. And those are the patients that are probably best suited for that medical model. But for patients that want to do the work and learn how to live and take care of themselves and learn how to teach that to their children, because that's our job as parents is not to say yes to everything, you know, but to teach children, how do you take care of yourself when you grow up? For folks that want to do that and have that for themselves, I really do feel passionate about the functional medicine and the nutritional approaches that, that I'm able to use. Yeah. It's like the difference between the, the conventional medicine of patient wants a pill because they saw a commercial for it, you say yes, versus being a, a leader and doing what you think is best and telling them what you think they actually need versus just saying yes to make them happy in the short term because it's not going to help them be happy in the long term. You mentioned before, and I want to dive into that, the effects of stress and the lifestyle that like so many of us live, that is the go, 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 the never resting fight or flight and kind of the relationship with that and overall health. Because I think people are starting Mm -hmm. hopefully to look into it. And I, I think COVID helped with that. But I think that people don't really fully understand the massive impact that it plays. Like, like you mentioned, even you, it played an impact on your children because you were pregnant with them. And I don't think people understand like the the ripple effect of that. 
Yeah, it, it did have an impact on my children. And I'm sure that their lives are different today because they're raised by a mother pushing herself through nursing school. And then after I finished nursing school, I probably worked 60 hours a week as a single mother. So I'm, I know that their lives are very deliberately different than the way mine was because mm. they don't want to live like that. And they don't. I feel like people do what they have to do. And women are we're so guilty of this because we've got a lot of times we're working and we're raising a family and we got a house to take care of and activities to get these kids to and, you know, not as much help as we need. And I really feel like we, this is something that we just have to suck it up and do. If we're going to be women with careers, then we're going to be tired women. I just really... Even without careers. Even without careers. You, know? <laughs> you got it. That is so true. <laughs> we're tired women and we're not given the help and we're not told how to take care of ourselves and we don't put ourselves... First. And we also are taught to cater to our kids too much and not to do what we need, not to take care of ourselves and our marriages. And and I feel like that making that change is very countercultural and it's difficult to make to say, you know what, we don't need another event to get to take these kids to. What they need to learn more is how to have less electronic time. We were sitting in an event yesterday with our grandchildren that we take them to a practice, and I saw three children that might have been two, four, and five years old, and they were all on iPads the whole time while their siblings were at this practice. Mm -hmm. And it just broke my heart because these kids are, they're little zombies. And so that we can fit them into our stressful lives so they could not, so they could behave while they were there. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that we have to go against the grain and slow down and know that that's okay to slow down. And sometimes taking a walk doesn't seem like it accomplishes as much, but sometimes that's the best things for us to do is just to de-stress. What can I do that would simplify my life? Let it go because it's not more important than our health. And that may be doing like something that I did. I hope not because that was a big change for me, but I changed my job and I changed career fields completely and found a place that appreciates rest and supports that. Yeah. I mean, it's a part of your job now to one, I think always practice what you preach, but to take care of yourself so that you take, you can take care of other people. I think with the, the iPad situation, it's so it's such a cycle. It's so ironic that we have put families and people in this position that we're so busy that like the easiest thing is to give your kid an iPad yeah. because you just want a freaking minute to yeah. chill. Yeah. And it's like, I feel so bad for, it's like, we're not ba bashing the mothers for like giving them the iPad. It's Absolutely. like, you've just been put in a position where you don't know what else to do. And you just have to do that. Just another example of the pressure that moms carry. Mm -hmm. You know, this mom's there with four kids. One's at a practice and these three other ones. And then what are they going to eat for dinner? Because at some point she has to go home and be able to feed these four kids something for dinner. And a lot of times that mom nor those kids get what they need. I just think that our priorities are a little off sometimes where we're prioritizing the things that are not as important. And then the things that are more important get pushed to the back burner and we end up paying for it. Yeah. I bet if you asked just random people like our patients, how would your life look differently if you were prioritizing your health? And I think the fact that, I mean, you had to change careers, you had to completely change jobs. And I don't think that's uncommon. I think that's, yeah. especially for healthcare, I think there's, I don't, there's just such an expectation of like, kill yourself to save others. When in reality, 
I think part of part of anyone's job and and health and just being a human, but especially people that are in charge of helping other humans with their health, your first priority is to take care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, well, one, you can't help anyone else. And also like you don't have the energy to do that. And you're also setting an example. And I think it's so unfortunate when people get into these careers and down these paths and they feel like they're trapped. And I think it's actually really common that a lot of people should quit their jobs. I think so too. And I feel like they're trapped too. I mean, it takes two incomes a lot of times to make a living anymore. And so people are just doing the best that they can to survive. But we want to help people do better than that. You know, how can they meet their potential and, and their health. And a lot of times, you know, cutting out some of those stressors are one of the best ways to do that. And realizing that, you know, you can't do it all. You, we just can't. And we can't do it all well. And yeah. it begins to take its toll on us. What do you mean? I feel like I try to do everything I do perfectly <laughs> and I never say no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any problem saying no anymore. Yeah. It doesn't bother me to say no. I can't do that. Or I don't want to. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, no, I don't. And there's no justification. It's just, no, I don't want to. Yeah. I think that's definitely something that I'm working on is intentionally slowing down more because I think it's really easy to go year after year and say, next year, I'll do it. Next year, I'll prioritize. Next year, I'll slow down. Next year, I'll I'll do all these personal things. And then you look back and you're like, I really never prioritized myself and I never lived a life in accordance with my values. And, And maybe quitting your job is... I mean, that's drastic for anyone, but okay, if that's not possible, then then what can we do to prioritize yourself? Can we set better boundaries? Can you slow down more? Can you take more time to rest? And But I, I always do feel like there is a layer of like systemic, if you're working 60 hours a week. I was. Yeah. It was rough. It was hell. But I had to do that as a single mother, like a lot of mothers out there now listening, they're doing what they have to do to to put food on their table and keep a roof over their head. And so that's what life might look like for them. And that's what life looked like for me for probably about 10 years. Yeah. You were in survival mode, but still, once you got to the point where life didn't have to look like that, you made a change. That's true. I, it, I did. You know, my kids were not sitting on an iPad. We didn't have them then, but they were sitting in the back of a back seat of, my, of the car doing something just as bad for them, probably. So I totally get it. But you're, you're absolutely right. There are all kinds of ways to figure out what this looks like for you. Yeah. What are some of those ways that you help people? I want to say plug in rest, but then I also don't want rest to be extra. I, I want it to be, you're, you're just changing your de- default, I think. Like, what are some ways that you help people with that? I think meditation practices are really beneficial to helping us keep our heads screwed on straight in the, in the middle of all this, all the chaos that we come into contact with. And prayer practices just to um, lay it down every day when we get up. And kind of figure out, based on what we know is happening today, what is this day going to look like? What do I want this day to look like? How can I do this without burning myself out, but show my children what an example of a healthy pace might look like and teach them how to take care of themselves as they grow up? which I did a poor job of when my children were growing up. But I want to help other people not make those mistakes. Luckily, my kids recognize that this was a crazy life and they didn't want to live that way. But those are one of the things to do to met prayer meditation practices. And then if you get to a point during the day that you feel overwhelmed, then 
you know, even go to the bathroom and lock the door and sit there and take three minutes and do some breath work or some more prayer meditation practices. And again, in the afternoons before you go to bed, before you let it go so that you can sleep well, because if you don't sleep well, that's where a lot of fatigue is rooted is in poor sleep. So letting all these things go, knowing that you did the best you could today, it wasn't perfect, nor should it be, focusing on a really good night's sleep. And then when you wake up tomorrow morning, then we're waking up more rested and we have more to give. So I think stress and sleep, a lot of, and a lot of times those go together. But if we can fix sleep, most of the time we can fix 80% of a problem. Yeah. Sleep, stress, nutrition, like yeah. the, the cornerstones are just huge. I feel like a lot of these things are really hard. You know, it sounds really easy, but they're, they're really hard and they take time. What are some of the, the resources? Like if people are interested in basically changing their life, where do you recommend they start? You know, I think eating food that's real is huge. Making sure that you're getting enough sleep for you, which varies from one person to the next, which may be about average seven hours a night. Some people need more. Some people need a little less, but I wouldn't say that it's healthy to have too much less than that. Taking stress levels to what's healthy for you level, because some of us can handle stress better than others. Some of us are unfazed by it and others are very sensitive to it. So taking stress levels to a healthy level and then reaching out to someone like me who can help to prioritize those things and give you a honey-do list, you know, of how do you take these recommendations and prioritize them into what's going to help me the most. Mm-hmm. So doing something like that and, and taking it where we take it a step further, which is looking at other root causes too, that may not be so much rooted in lifestyle. Sometimes it is, and sometimes there are a lot of other things like the autoimmune type issues or the gut um, issues that need some treatment. Yeah, they need you need to look deeper. Yeah. Yeah. What does it look like? How can people start working with you? What's that process like? Well, they can always call me, you know, always reach out and call me. I think you have my number. I'm happy to give it if you'd like for me to. It's 843. Is this your personal cell phone? Yes. Oh my gosh, you're giving this out? (laughs) I get every, all of my patients have my cell phone number. It's 843-478-4660. If you get spam or pranks, you let us know (laughs) one. All of my patients know how to reach me and I feel like that's important. Otherwise, they're just, they're not getting anything better than what they have. And so they need to be able to reach me. And I also have an email address too. And it's melissa.altman63 at gmail.com. And I'm always happy to receive those emails too and try to help you figure out, is this right for you? Because it's not right for everybody so that people are not wasting their time and money. Yeah. And they're, they're willing and open-minded to it right. too. They're actually right. going to get the best result. So what is one main takeaway, something that you really wish everyone knew or understood about functional medicine? That when you get to the root, when you're looking at root cause medicine, it takes time, it takes testing, and it takes commitment from the patient. Because I think a lot of times they think this is all on me. They're coming to me. I'm going to give them a magic bullet pill (laughs) and they're going to get better. I'm going to fix you. Wave my wand. (laughs) And it doesn't work that way. The majority of the work comes from the patient. I provide the information to them of what I see is needed, but it's difficult to change your diet 
and your sleep schedule and your lifestyle and start working out if you're not doing that, if that's, a, if that's appropriate for that patient. Or to go to therapy. Maybe that's part of the recommendation to get help with a therapist or whatever the recommendation is. It's, it takes work on the patient's part too. And so realizing that we're partners together is a real important thing to know. Yeah. You're, you're not the fixer. You're the guide. Yeah. Because ultimately, like you said, they, their body has to heal themselves. It's not an external pill. I'm going to do this to you and then you're going to get better. It, It takes a lot of work. I like what you said, time, testing, and commitment. Yep. Those are huge. What's something that you're working on for your health and wellness right now? I am going to be 60 years old this August. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I feel 40, maybe, if that. I think my that. mom is too. Yeah? Yeah. So I could be your mom. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So really, I'm trying to do more strength training. In the last year, I started revving up, being heavy with strength training more than I ever have. Even though I've always done it, I've increased, I've doubled it. Yeah. And I think the other thing I'm working on, too, is being more balanced with my eating. Because I've been on a big exclusion type diet for the last eight or nine months as I was trying to reduce an autoimmune condition. And now I can relax it just a little bit because what I was doing is not good to do every day long term. So finding what that sweet spot looks like is something that I'm experimenting with a little bit and I can help. I can do that with my patients too. Yeah, that's awesome. Anytime people say that they're doing more strength training, I just get really excited. (laughs) That's awesome. It is definitely really necessary to, to maintain good muscle as you age to do more of it. And I encourage my patients usually at 40 to be, begin if you've not done it yet it's time to ramping it up I didn't start quite as early as I should have yeah it's one of those things that I tell people you know af- after 30 if you're not intentionally doing something to keep this on you're gonna lose it yep. it's the whole you know this is this is the default which sounds a little morbid and it's not necessarily like something bad is going to happen but just with the way that we have been taught in our society and just the resources that we have you you have to be different. I think you have to choose to be different. You know, the fact that what you do is considered different is really frustrating. I'm so happy that we have what you do and and what I do. But the fact that it's not mainstream is a problem, you know, and and I don't know if it'll ever be mainstream, but that's the goal is is can we get much more people to view their health in this way and to I think I hope so. That's my hope. It's my dream is that we would be to a point that schools won't be feeding children junk food. I ate cookies for lunch. I know. And pizza and a bagel. Like, that's it. And the Bible school that my grandkids went to this summer had ice cream at 1030. And they weren't (laughs) allowed to have that. You know, we sent snacks for them, but they definitely didn't fit in because they weren't allowed to eat ice cream at 1030. And so it's like, well, you can say... It's just one time. It's just, but you say that, I end up saying it every day if you do that. So, you know, I think just building in some boundaries for our health and wellness so that we can age well. We will not age well in this cultural mindset that we have if we don't make some sort of intentional changes to do that. And I want to live my whole life till I die. That's my, that's what I want to do. And who doesn't, you know, and so we can help people to do that. My five-year-old grandson just learned how to ride a bicycle and being able to run alongside him while he was doing that, I, when I was doing that, I was realizing that this probably makes me a minority. Yeah, that's I unique. I can run with him and so I could catch him if he went to fall. But what is it that 
that you want to do as you age is what I ask people. And what, you know, who do you want to be as an, as an older person living your best dream? Yeah, I want to leave people with that so they can think about that. Thank you so much, Melissa. This has been awesome. Thank you, too. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Healthy Charleston podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston and please subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. New episodes are out every other Monday. Otherwise, everyone, thank you for listening. Have an awesome week. Thank you.